Hey, this is Dirk Revueren from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. Welcome back to the Ghost Cult Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, OJ. In today's episode, we're bringing you the podcast version of my interview earlier with John and Donald Tardy of Obituary. Their new album, Dying of Everything, is out now. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes in John and Donald Tardy of Obituary. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. Couldn't be more excited, man. We've been sitting on an album for two years, and it's just about to be out. So we're all fired up. So let's talk about that. The dying of everything. Great name, by the way. The cover is beautiful. I was like, (laughs) it's dark, but it's dark without being dark. It's just colorfully dark, if that makes sense. (laughs) Can you spell that? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a word? (laughs) It might not be. It might not be a word, but I think that's a great description of it because, I mean, my God, when we when we saw the final result, you're right. It's beautiful and evil all at the same time. And uh, we are extremely proud of that artwork that uh, that Maurice, the Polish artist, uh, delivered to us. And it's also, you know, it's totally different from any album cover we've done. That's for sure, too. So uh, it's a whole fresh new uh, album for us. Yeah. All the way around. As you said, you guys were sitting on this record for like two years. So you recorded it in the before times. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were, we were writing, we were writing it for quite some time. Obviously, you know, our plan was when we were on tour with Slayer, we were, our plan was to get to Europe, uh, get home from Europe. We had one American tour that we were going to do and get home and, and, and quickly get an album done to get back to Europe. And uh, bam, we got hit with the pandemic. So we all went home. Yeah. So we continued writing. Uh, and then did the recording process during the pandemic. And uh, it gave us it gave us a lot of time to kind of dissect these songs and and, uh, and just kind of analyze them and put them under the microscope and, and make them the best that we possibly could. But the thing's been done since 2020. It's hard to believe um, <laughs> yeah, we've been sitting for two years w- with a with a product that we've been dying for our fans to, to get their hands on. And finally, we're here. Yeah, we were, we were pretty much bound and determined not to release an album while we're sitting at home with nothing to do. So, um, so the plan, it's been tough to do, but the plan's coming together. You know, the singles started coming out during the Armada Mar tour and the announcement of the album. Uh, so we got a good, you know, talk about it through that. And now it's going to hit right as we're taking off and heading to Europe for like the first time in five or six years. So, uh, it, it took some waiting and some patience, but it's, uh, it's, it's all coming together now. Awesome. I, I noticed when I listened to it, it reminded me, and like, I guess in an emotional level, it just reminded me of Frozen in Time. Like, this is your first record back. You know, that was the first record after your break. And this is the first record back from that, you know, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it just kicked in. Like, it felt energetic and excited. It, it's, it, it's felt very youthful. Like, you guys yeah. felt youthful on well, this record. And it's, you felt like you guys tried to, you could just do the same obituary and like keep it status quo, but I felt like there was, oh, there's some things here that I haven't heard on obituary records yeah. before. And you guys just started barely alive. I was like, what the, f-? I was like, is he black? It just caught we, me you know, off guard. I wasn't expecting, you know, we, I was uh, expecting you know, more we, cool intros. <laughs> we've never been kind of that band to do an album every year or every other year per se. Um, you know, and then we've had our times where it's been, I know before Back from the Dead was five or six years before Frozen in Time was five or six years. Uh, you know, this one we were taking our time with, the pandemic, you know, made it a couple of years, you know, longer than it was supposed to be per se. Um, but we don't ever get in any hurry to do an album. So we just kind of do them when we're ready to do them. Uh, and then we just have fun with them for sure. So it, it's not a, 
it's not a chore for us to write songs and write albums. That's for sure. We, we just like to have fun with it and, and get into it uh, just as, you know, much as we always did. Yeah. And I know this is like your third record with uh, Ken writing. Like what does Ken bring to you guys differently than I guess, previous guitar players and what's that writing process like with him? Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's cool. It's cool because, you know, when, when we were, when we were growing up, uh, Trevor and, and myself and my brother, you know, we were, we were Venom fans and Hellhammer fans and, and, uh, and Ken was uh, in Orlando, um, a hundred miles away and he was a Slayer head and he was thrash metal. And, uh, and, and that, that was his, that was his history and his past of, of music that he was growing up to. So, you know, to, to bring Ken in, it, it just, it gives that extra little spice that is needed in the, in the ingredients to, to make it a little different feeling album. And, uh, I think it just complements it wonderfully because Trevor and I obviously write some meat and potatoes and those heavy grooves and the mid tempo groove songs. And then Ken brings that, that, that added flavor to this album. And, uh, you know, he wrote two songs on the self-titled uh, as well. And, 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 and now he wrote two songs with, with us on, on this one. And, and uh, again, just to me, it just adds a little excitement to this album and made it, well, it made it a really good album into a great album. Yeah. And he, you know, he's also been so good with us too. Even like our old songs, he really goes through and loves learning all the old leads that whoever, whether it was Alan or James or Ralph, you know, he loves to, to really get in there and play the solos like they played them. And he does such a good job of covering those leads, but the leads he comes up with for us, I think are just absolutely awesome. And so fitting. He really does such a good job of, I mean, sometimes I'll say, God, that kind of sounds like something Alan would play, or that sounds like something James might've done, or, you know, he just, he really does a good job of just morphing into all these sounds. And uh, it, it's just awesome. It's, it's fun don't, to have him don't in the compliment, band. Don't compliment him too much, John. He's going to want to raise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He doesn't know how to read, so he'll never see this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it helps that you're also, uh, you just said you guys are old, like childhood friends. So you guys are, you guys at least known each other for a long time, even before the band. Because you were, I believe you were in, you both were in Andrew WK's band at the same time. Well, I mean, I, when we took our break, I, I, uh, I started Andrew's band with him. Um, just me. I was the only one um, that Andrew approached and, uh, and, uh, and I, I toured with him for five years, but yeah, like, I mean, Terry, Terry Butler has been our friend for literally since literally since high school, Trevor and Terry's sister were in home homeroom in uh, like ninth grade. So you're going back, you're talking 1987 that we've we've known known, Terry Butler for longer than we've been in a band. (laughs) Yeah. So we are, we are one big family. Kenny, Kenny was, uh, Kenny was over in Orlando. So he was a little bit further away and, um oh i know okay i'm sorry you are 100 correct ken and i were in we're in andrew wk i i was thinking right. you were thinking wondering if jt was but uh yes ken ken started out as uh the guitar tech for andrew wk and then he he's such a cool dude and he's such a good he started dude, as dude. a guitar tech for us too <laughs> yeah and he started yeah exactly it's funny you say that but yes, with Andrew, he started as a guitar tech, but Andrew kind of fell in love with his personality and, uh, and he, and Ken became, a uh, Andrew's guitar player. So I had a blast with, with Ken and that is when we became good friends and good friends turn into really, really close friends. And that's when I, you know, I, I asked Ken to be a part of obituary and we were all willing to wait until his time was right. And, uh, he was able and, and, and available for us. So yes, sorry, sorry for the confusion. 
<laughs> uh, no problem. Besides money, like, you know, passion, love for this stuff. What keeps you guys like making a new, I just keep going obituary. Like, you know, we could, yeah, you could have, like, you did stop for a while. You, you didn't have to come back, you know, yeah. was it more like, I just miss playing with you guys. Or it's like, what was the spark that just says, fuck, we got to keep going. What makes you guys keep doing this 30 I mean, we, plus years later? Yeah. I mean, we, we were teenagers. I mean, you're, you're going back to 1985 and we were those dudes that were stealing construction uh, materials from construction sites to build our own stage uh, and built a stage in the back of a back, back of someone's house to play a pool party. And we were those dudes that were trying to come up and uh, building smoke machines and dry ice machines to make it look like Ozzy Osbourne. And we were just those kids, man. We were so passionate back then and it just rolls over. It rolled over in our twenties, our thirties, our forties. And, and now here we are. And we're still uh, anyone that talks to us about music and sees us on stage, they can still see the passion. And, uh, and, and the fun we're having, because it, it is still having a, a damn good time uh, performing these, you know, performing songs that our fans want to hear and see and see us. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And like you said, though, and our fans are a big part of that. We absolutely we have the greatest fans in the world. And uh, to see some of them nowadays, I mean, we see teenagers and even kids younger than that showing up at our show and they got obituary shirts on. And that is awesome to see and really get you get you fired up and wanting to continue when you see those young kids coming out and listening to your music. I feel that's what keeps bands going on. It's like, oh, you could have the people that were there from the from the 80s, 90s and whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, now they're older. Now their kids are into it. And it's like, cool, you may not want to come be in the pit, but your yeah. grandson might want to be in the pit. And yeah. it just keeps it. It keeps bringing breathing new life into your fan base, which is very important for a lot of bands after you get to a certain point it's like all right yeah. i'm just playing for the same you know couple hundred people when there's a whole <laughs> subgroup that's like waiting for it yeah yeah i mean you know it's also kind of you know the other thing is we've really been kind of thriving and enjoying this position like like the black label society tour that we went on you know black uh you know zach's got some awesome fans he's got a great fan base and some great following you know fans but they're all a little bit older um, and they probably most of them have seen an obituary logo, but a lot of them have never been to an obituary show. And we've just loved that opportunity to get out there and, and walk out on stage, knowing that these people have no idea what they're about to hear. And we just love that opportunity to win them over and let them hear our songs and feel the groove that we get them. And, uh, and I mean, just every night, you know, Robin's coming back, you know, our merch girl, and she's like, I mean, there was, you know, 20 people walk up, never seen those guys before, but give me a shirt. So um, it's an awesome spot. We've been we've been liking it. It's kind of like why we're going to do this Trivium tour, you know, a little bit different fan base. But, um, you know, we think we can win those kids over. And it, it's fun for us to, to have that challenge. You guys took the pandemic time. You didn't just sit around and do nothing. You guys put out like two solid live live stream sets. And that was very like bold i was like oh yeah you guys were very you guys are very good at social a lot of a lot of death metal bands are horrible at promoting stuff and you guys and it's like my thing is again once you get past a certain age it's like like i tell my partners like in the in the in the music scene or just people i work with in general it's like yo don't be a dinosaur you kind of have to keep up you kind of have to keep up with the stuff you're in this you're in this industry you kind of have to understand how zoom work how to yeah. Tech, how to, hey, posting, hey guys, we're doing a show tonight. Boom, tours tonight. Hey, we're yeah, here outside. Hey, we left you know, guitar new, picks over here. Find it. You, you know, can, if you can go out and buy a new car, it does not have a CD player in them anymore, just so you know. <laughs> things things got to keep moving. 
but yeah. we had an absolute blast with the live with the live streams. You know, and the funny thing is, is we spent a ton of money on the first two. You know, the solely rotten, the cause of death ones that we did. Um, but then we came home and set up our whole studio and did it ourselves right out of our studio. And that's the one all the fans were like, "We want to see you guys in bare feet and, and drinking beer in your own studio and playing songs." Is what they love to see. So, um, you know, they they were all fun. We'll do more of them because we have a good time with them. Uh, we have it all set up. We can go out there at any given time, fire up our Pro Tools rig, turn on eight cameras and go live to the world anytime we want to do that. And uh, it's an awesome technology. You know, it's really fun to do. So Now, is there, out of everything, what is this, probably uh, about 150 songs you guys have? <laughs> Ugh. At this point, <laughs> is there any songs that you guys were like, yeah, we're never going to play this song anymore? There's like certain songs that are just like, we're done. These songs have had their moment either for lyrical content or just like, yeah, we just don't enjoy this song. We're just going to put it away. Well, Barry, the new one, Buried Alive, we're off the new album. It's the fastest double bass that Donald's ever done. So now we're telling him, hey, when we get to Europe, we want you to play this song for us. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was I thinking? I mean, my God. It was fun. In, it was fun in the studio recording, uh, recording Buried Alive. But then when we were done with it, I'm like, what in the hell did I just get myself into? So... <laughs> So now the reality is, uh, you know, that is going to be one that fans are waiting for. And uh, it's going to keep me it's going to keep me on my toes. That's for sure. But you know what? I don't know. Our, our whole catalog, I would be proud to play really any song off any album. It's just so many songs. You're never going to be able to do that. Yeah. But and that was also, you know, when we decided to do the entire Slowly Rot and the entire Cause of Death albums, there were songs on there we've never played before live. I mean, hell, a lot of those things we probably haven't played for 20-something years or never, really, other than just learning them, recording them, and, you know, playing them a few times back then. But even a lot of those songs we'd never done before, not live, and haven't played them for years. So we had to learn a lot of those ourselves before we uh, decided to jump into that thing. What do you guys find the biggest benefit of having the home recording studio? Dude, I can go out there at 10 in the morning. I can go out there at 10 at night. I can go out there and sing one song. I can sing for two hours. I can fire it up and just say, you know what? I don't feel like doing anything and turn it right back off again. You can't beat that. It's so awesome to be able to do that. It's such a relaxing time not to have to worry about booking a studio, booking the time, this and that. So, uh, and it's just the whole, you know, in fact, in, during the pandemic, we also did that. We replaced our entire Pro Tools rig, um, all new stuff and all new tools and stuff to play with. Uh, and I love the technology part of it. I love working with that stuff. I love the hardware and the and the doing it. So uh, it also it gets you more involved. You know, I got to sit there and I I can record my brother. I can record Terry. I record Trevor, and uh, it's just it's fun for me. Um, and uh, it really lets me feel the songs. You know, right when they're being put together, and it just lots of, you get lots of ideas and lots of things that you start thinking about while you're doing it. It's a it's just a it's a cool. It's a cool part. part. Yeah, and, and most, and most, if you if you ever interviewed enough musicians, you'll you'll know that that they'll say that when they practice, they're comfortable and they're relaxed, and they play the songs well. And then they get in front of the studio and they see that red light pop on the record light, and then you're tense. You're not playing the songs like you did, and you wish you could have it back. And with the with the home studio, like John said, it could be ten in the morning or ten at night, but. It's just a relaxing environment. And when you're loose and you're feeling good about yourself and you're, you know, calm and relaxed, that's when you have your best performances. And that's definitely the best part of uh, the home studio for myself. Hey, what, what is the old saying? Like no songs ever completed or just simply abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so since you said you had the time to 
rework some of these songs from you know since you since this record was recorded already like two years ago like when did you guys say all right we're stopping we've we've tweaked enough songs we've refined <laughs> it what was your guys cutting off point uh, <laughs> well, we it was after to go we already got on the road poor joe <laughs> we yep. had two years off and we still didn't finish the mixing before we had to go on the road so we finished the last few songs there you know as we were actually on tour <laughs> <laughs> We are the oh. king of procrastination if you let us do it, that's for sure. It'll take as long as your deadline is. If it takes us two weeks, it'll be done yep. in two weeks. If it's yep. a month, exactly. it'll take a month. Yep. Yeah. I just need two weeks in a day. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much time we have left, but if we, if you guys are up for it, if you want to do a quick uh, track by track rundown, like a little brief, like thoughts. Yeah, man. I'm in no hurry, man. Yeah. Go for it. What do you got? Sure. All right. So let's briefly touch back on uh, Buried Alive. Uh, yeah, Buried Alive. Barely, Barely Alive. Barely Alive. alive. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I was sitting there screaming buried, buried Alive the whole time, but everybody knows that's obviously a very big popular Venom song. Um, you know, we've played it, for God's sakes. But uh, sometimes with these songs that just kind of, a lot of these lyrics, I swear, I, they come out of my head like almost the first time I hear you know, Donald Trevor start kicking into stuff. Shit comes into my head. I think that was one of them. Just buried, buried alive, barely alive. Just started ringing through my head as soon as I heard that. But the, the key thing is, is once again, some of the fastest kick drums that Donald's ever had to do. So um, just a pounding song right there for sure to start an album off. Or at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what can you say about that? It's a, a classic. That's the classic meat and potatoes from obituary. You know, it's like if an alien came down and said, you know, play, play me an obituary song. Um, I'd be proud to play the wrong time and, and, and it represent uh, 30 years of what obituary has been trying to do. It, it, to me, it's one of the most powerful songs on the, on the record. It's coming across extremely well live. Fans seem like they hear it the first time. And by the second time John's singing the second verse, it seems like they, they already know the song. And that, that's just a, 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 what a compliment to know that it's a catchy catchy song that that grabs their attention that quickly this album is very catchy like weaponized like the just the verses on weaponized like weaponized the hate later on but just yeah i found that one to me that was like the catchy it's like oh this is this is like oh yeah i remember this like one or two songs plays back and i was like oh, yeah, it's like i just like the melody the just arrangement of your arrangement on that is just yeah there's a That's lot like, of strange arrangements i will tell you it's, it, uh, some some crazy things come about you know for, can't explain why per se, but for some reason, just sometimes those the way they come together, we're like trying to pick, you know, how many of this do I do? How many of that do I do? Uh, and just bringing it all together. It's, it's so fun when you're writing songs, you know, I, I absolutely love it, you know, putting that stuff together. Uh, but just some of these arrangements on some of these songs, even the wrong time, um, you know, it's, it's just no verse chorus, verse chorus type patterns to, to a lot of these things. Uh, and it's just fun to be able to mix them around. It's also what's great about metal. We can get around, we can do anything we want. You know, we have, we we name songs that don't say it in the song title, and we have, uh, you know, songs with no choruses, songs with uh, weird verses. We're allowed to get away with it. It's metal. Songs we do anything with, we want. Songs with no no singing at all. <laughs> songs with no singing at all. Yeah, I wrote "Redneck Stomp," <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very fun one. Yeah. Found a conscience is next. Yeah, that that I, I don't know. I, don't, I it wasn't a conscious decision for myself on this record, but, um, you know, I'm not afraid, uh, you know, a lot of, I guess a lot of musicians would try to hide the idea if they, I guess you can use the word stole ideas from other bands. 
But on this album, I found I found myself. I would like to use the word um, rip off. Say it. Yeah, rip, well, rip, rip off. But half of them are from from my friends, and some of them are dead. So it's a it's really a tribute to them. Uh, with without a conscience is a uh, is a deliberate rip off to mouth for war of Pantera. Vinnie Paul was one of my favorite drummers. Uh, Pantera was obituary one obituary's you know favorite bands for sure, and um. That middle part, it's it's mouth for war, and I I knew it the minute we were writing it, and Trevor was going. I said, I said I'm gonna I'm I'm putting a tribute. This is gonna be a tribute to Vinnie Paul, and uh and I blatantly I blatantly played, and I I know I know Vinnie. I've seen Pantera live. I've sat behind Vinnie during Pantera shows, so I remember how he played mouth for war, and uh. I did it, and I, pr- I, I proudly put uh, a Pantera riff, uh, drum beat uh, on uh, without a con- without a conscience, and and, pr- and proudly uh, and proudly wear that. Um, so that's you know, and it's just a killer song. It is, and you catch it right away. You're like that sounds oddly familiar. Like why do I know this? <laughs> it's like like that's a bit like ah. Uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was yep. a well done tribute. Yep, I miss you, Vinny. Yeah, shout out to the Abbots. Yeah, man. What a world we live in now. It's crazy. Yeah. Next up, we have war. Not the other's war, but your war. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was JT's idea because, like he said, the last uh, the last uh, song we were just talking about, I remember when we wrote that song, Trevor and I were just kind of coming up with just the beginning riffs, and immediately I saw him, I saw John over there writing on his lyric sheet, and he just said, I don't know why, I just keep saying war something about i just keep saying fucking war it, it's a groovy ass song it's uh basic but killer at the same time with groove <laughs> and then of course everybody wants to talk about um this breakdown thing and uh we just had that idea that i had this idea for four four drum fills uh in a row towards the middle part and it needed to breathe it just needed a break after that and uh and we decided to unplug not just the amp but we unplugged Trevor's instrument and just put a microphone one inch from his strings and, uh, and told him just, just play the riff. Don't, don't try and chop too hard. Just play. And we did that. And we just knew we we're going to kick right back into the heavy part. And when we did it, all three of us, me, John and Trevor were like, Oh my God, this is sick. This is going to be so good. And uh, a lot of people, I know the interviews that I've done, I don't know about you, JT, but a lot of people ask about that. And it's, funny how it's just such a minute tiny little five second break and it means yeah. everything and it just goes to yeah. show when you dissect the songs like we did during this pandemic that was one of those songs where i i kind of knew we needed to do something more than what the song was giving us at that time and, and that's what we came up with and it means yeah. it, it went from a good song again to a great song and you know we also you know we you know we've toured with agnostic front you know we've toured with hate breed uh you know we're just we're lo- absolutely love freddie madball and, and we love that, 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 that hardcore scene. Um, but you know, that right there war is just a song that, uh, you know, I can just see hate breed can play that song right there all day long and, and get away with it. It would sound killer. You're one of the few, uh, bands without, you're like kind of hardcore. You're kind of death metal. It's like, you're not death core. You're like, kind of like the <laughs> forefathers of that style in, in a way. Cause like you guys clearly can like hang out with Slayer and then <laughs> hang out 
with Hatebreed and Madball on another tour and no one's going to bat an eye. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> I mean, we are we are old enough uh, as a band. We have been touring for a long time. Um, like JT said, you know, in 1992, we were, um, we, we were touring with, with, with uh, Agnostic Front. We've done shows with Sick of It All. Freddie Madball is a, a big obituary fan. And, and there's a reason for that because we do have that groove and we're, we are not afraid to, to throw down that, that mid-tempo crunch and groove that, that the, the hardcore type style that, that the New York hard, hardcore was showing us back in the you know, uh, early 90s. So it rubbed off on us for sure. Yeah, I remember when I first saw you guys, I don't know who else was on the show, but it was uh, Coney Island High in New York City. And yeah. I saw other death metal bands from your area that I I heard the growls and the blast beats, and I was like, what is this? And I remember walking out. And then like I saw you guys a few weeks later, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I was like, all right, your <laughs> voice is a higher register. I like I liked your 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 vocal range and Oh, the groove, the drums are grooving. It's like, yeah, you guys are the guys, you guys got me into death metal. I was like, okay, the blast beat super, that was, I wasn't ready for that yet. But then eventually, <laughs> all right, it sinks in, but it's like, here's your, you're the gateway to death metal. So I thank you guys very much. We're, yeah, yeah. we're the gateway drug, man. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up we have is the title track, Dying of Everything. Ooh, that's, that's yeah. one of Kenny's songs. Yeah, that's a, that's a Kenny song. Um, Ken, Ken worked his ass off on his songs because he knows obituary fans uh, are buying obituary albums to, to hear obituary. So Ken's thrash metal background, he's very conscience, con cautious and conscious of of making sure that it is somewhat of an obituary style song. And um, it, it was just it was a, a challenge to do because Ken and I kind of had ideas, but we we knew that they were not quite obituary sounding. So when we brought them and, and brought what we had idea wise. To uh, to my brother, he he basically said, "It's it's not bad, but you guys need to dumb it down a little bit and make it a little bit more obituary like and make it heavier." And so we did. We kind of went back in, and you know, John said it before that Ken could have been the dude that said, hey, "Well, you know, that's my rhythm, and I'm sticking to it." But instead, he absorbed exactly what JT was saying. Um, I totally agreed and understood what John was saying, and we did. We went back to the drawing board and made it heavier, and uh, we added that middle part. And then the cool thing is, is why John decided to start doing this crazy talking in the middle of that middle part. It's just a cool song. It's different from obituary songs, A, because Ken wrote it, and B, because we, again, took our time and dissected the song and worked on it more than normal. You know, it was just one of those songs that it came out killer. And, uh, it, you know, the, it, it, pure, pure coincidence, it became the title track because anyone that's read interviews over the last two decades, the last thing we think of are song titles and, and, and album titles. We worry about the groove and the, and the music and the riffs before anything else. And it happened to be dying of everything happened to be a Ken song when we decided to name the record. And you guys don't skip out on sequencing. A lot of people don't take that in consideration. And this record has a nice like flow, like some things without like too front heavy where it's just all this. And then it's kind of softens. It's like, it's a nice, it, it keeps a good pace and it keeps you going. It's like, all right, awesome. it's like, the, like you're jogging, like you're rocking, like, all right, here's your spot. You got to do the sprint. You got to go fast. And then you got to, all right, take it back. And it's like, yeah. It's like, and it's a good, it's a good, it's a good record. in that's yeah, in the sequencing sense. Thank awesome. you. My will to live. Wow. Oh. We did the lyric video just came out, you know, a few days ago, they released that thing. 
And I, I just loved, I loved my vocal performance on it for every reason. I just, I love the lyric content and the vocal performance on that song. Uh, just so heavy. Uh, you know, I, I, it just, it's just crushing to me personally. I just, I love that song. Yeah. I mean, and every, every other band can stick with the 1000 miles an hour on every song on the whole album. And, uh, we're not afraid to break it down and, and have the, have this mid-tempo epic, pretty long song. It's, it's pretty brutal, but again, it's just classic obituary, man. We, 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 it gets your head nodding. It's, it's just one of those songs and back to, uh, blatantly ripping off, <laughs> blatantly ripping off some of my favorite humans. Uh, the ending of that song, when the breakdown, when it comes down and Trevor starts the riff over, and I'm going down, da, 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 down. Da, 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 da. If you listen to it, it is the exact drum fill from Ronnie James Dio and Vinnie Apice's, um, hang on, uh, Last in Line. If you listen to it, it is the it is the drum fill from Last in Line. So go do your homework and you'll figure out what I'm talking about. But uh, My Will to Live, my last drum fill uh, towards the ending of the song, you can literally you can cue it up with last in line. Cause I, I, I said to myself, I was like, I know what this needs. This song is going to, it's going to have that Vinnie Apice drum fill. I'm telling you right now, I told John, I'm like, it's going to be last in line. It's going to be the last in line drum fill. Here it comes. And and I, I knew it immediately and it did, it stuck. I, it, it fits the song. Great. So there's another one that, <laughs> that I, I, I ripped off one of my favorite humans, Vinnie Apice. The great fill. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. <laughs> let's see next up we have is by the dawn ah, i'll let john talk because here comes another one about me ripping people off <laughs> <laughs> well as soon as as soon as we wrote that song i was like damn if that isn't the fucking old nasty savage rhythm right there you know i don't know if you know who nasty savage is but oh yeah grew up, you know they're, they're the yeah. ones responsible for getting us into a band for Zach. another um, ronnie right I and, that, and that just clap that just yeah. that's an old that is an old nasty savage rhythm right there and david austin played a couple leads on that i heard it and i was like david austin's got to play a lead on this thing so he played you know two leads on it uh and he and kenny shifted up a little bit but when you listen to him now if you go back and listen to him you'll probably hear it uh but that's david austin playing some of those leads it's pretty sick yeah yeah and it, and and here we go I'll, I'll proudly say that uh i just knew and i didn't i didn't blatantly do it i just we started playing that song and coming up with those riffs and uh I've never, I've never done 16th notes on a hi-hat uh, like we did on that song. And uh, I don't know what made me do it until we did it. And then I'm like, dude, that's Asmondeas from <laughs> Nessie Savage. I mean, that is literally Asmondeas. I mean, it was exactly that. And then to not to top, <laughs> to, to even top that, here we go again. So in that song, uh, let me think of the part. It is, um, it is when we do, when, when after the solos, um, how does it, let me think. Oh no, it's the beginning of the song. Oh no, it's when we go back. So the song starts and we do all this verse chorus stuff and then there's solos. And then we go back towards the beginning of the song, which is down, 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 down. And I was sitting there going, it's something. Something's coming to me. Uh-oh. I know what it is. And it's Sabotage. She's Unusual. And if you listen to the song Sabotage, She's Unusual, it is the exact 
drum fill that Dr. Killdrums does on that song. And again, I didn't mean to, it just, it called it, it called it out and it, it made me do it. <laughs> it, fit. it was a perfect fill. It was a it perfect fit. fill for it. Yep. So everyone that's listening to this, if they can go back and do their homework, uh, they can point their finger and say, you ripped off all these bands. And I'll say, good. <laughs> They're my favorite bands and my favorite humans. I'm going to have to put a little annotation in the video. Like, all right, here's, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. This song, inspired by this, inspired by that yep. one. Nazi <laughs> hey, Savage. You know Nazi Savage is a very underrated band. I always felt if they had better management back in the day, a lot more people probably would know who they are today. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Sav- and, and Sabotage is one of the most, m- most amazing bands on the planet. Uh, that, you know, that, that brother, that brother singer, uh, guitar playing duo is, uh, probably the best in, in my self, my opinion and my brother's opinion. I, I could speak for both of us because yes, we know ACDC brothers were the Kings of it. And yes, we know that the Pantera brothers were the absolute epitome of, of two brothers shredding, but sabotage John Oliva's angel evil devil voice and Chris Oliva's shredding solos. He shredded like no other. And he was uh, so young too, when he died, it's just yeah. such a shame. Yeah, it's a it, it is a shame. And that's why, you know, when when I say that, you know, the sabotage song came to me and I did that drum fill and and anyone that wants to call me out and call, call me a, a copycat. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah, I've I was fortunate enough to play uh, with John Ova. Was it pain? Uh, I, I saw I played with uh, Nazi Savage and you guys and all at that Jack Koshik Fest. And when yeah, Nazi awesome. Savage came up to New York. Like during those 05, 06 eras when they were doing stuff, we got to play with them whenever they were up here. They were great guys back oh, then. Oh, that's great, man. You know, and yeah, like, yes, those are the, like, I kind of oh. miss those Jack Koshik fests, but <laughs> some hearts were fun. I wish, we, I wish like now like, we don't have those kind of festivals anymore. I mean, I'm happy uh, that, yeah, we, that we Jamie bought metal, it. We did the Florida Metal Fest, I don't know, going on six or seven years ago now. Um, but we got to, you know, obituary went up and we played two sabotage songs and John Oliva came up and sung with us oh. and it was the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. That was a bucket list thing. I got to go. I'm looking at, I know what I'm looking on YouTube next. There you go. <laughs> next, up next is my favorite track on the record. Weaponize the hate. Ooh, what a great title too. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably, this is probably the first song, probably the first song we wrote, wrote for the record. One of the first for sure. And um, I don't know, man, just that, that's that, grinding just a nonstop double bass straightforward john's uh vocal performance is killer um on it and uh i don't know it's just it it is it is just one of those songs that had to have happened straight double bass with that kind of singing and then those those middle parts with the with the four on the floor kind of thing and and then and then the breakdown but i don't know just a classic song what i've noticed i'll say my little two cents on this is john your voice has basically stay damn near the same but your clarity in your enunciation has like was the biggest improvement in what you do like you haven't really changed your flow of of much but you're easier you're you're easier to understand now and it just makes to me it makes the world of a difference and like listening yeah. to you because you listen to those old records you're like i think i heard what he said but now it's like oh yeah i can understand it in the and I can understand his gruff and you can, oh, I just, 
everything makes sense. Yeah, sure. I totally feel you. You know, and it, it really not by design. I haven't done it like on purpose, kind of saying you know, like I really need to do this or that. Um, it's just kind of one of those things. I just I've just started to do that. You know, I find myself going through those words syllable by syllable more than I ever used to. I used to just kind of ramble along through them and you know and just hold them all differently. But um, <clears throat> I have been doing that. I, I can't explain why. Um, I don't know, you know, it, I didn't do it on purpose per se, but I've just started doing that. Even with some of the songs or older songs, I find myself saying it, you know, clearer or getting through those syllables cleaner than I did even, you know, on those records, but, uh, just natural, whatever, uh, for every reason, that's just what it started happening. No, uh, singing lessons for you. You're just like, all right, just, yeah. you're able to keep your voice the way it is. And it's yeah. respectable. A lot of people. Yeah. Oh, the age, everybody gets older. That's a unfortunately if we're lucky to keep being here after 20 30 years you know we're not the same as we were 20 30 years ago and whatever you both are doing <laughs> your abilities have not slacked off in any perceivable notice for fans and you would hope you would hope you know i think every time we enter the studio every time we write a new song every time we write a new album uh we get we just get better you know you get better with age you get better with your experience and you can only hope that that would be the case man where every time we finish an album i feel like i learned so much um and you you think you know a lot until you do another album and you, and then you you just learn you learn with your instrument and you learn with the with the technology of of recording it so um good words man and let's see up next we have is torn apart Another Kenny song. That's this a is love a song. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, you know, this this is this was a song that was uh, a cool um, evolution uh, in its own because, again, Ken was uh, eager to write a song and he wanted a killer song, um, but he was messing around with the riffs that he and I were talking about. So when he went home. He just pulled up one of his drum programs just to kind of keep the beat so he could, you know, try and write some stuff. And he <laughs> he had more of a gallop. He had he had a much more of a of a boom 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 gallop beat. And uh, I, we kept listening to it and we kept playing it. And I could see my brother scratching his head, like not you know not saying anything to Ken, just letting us try and work through it. But he finally, when Ken was. Uh, not there. We were listening to it. JT's just like, I, I just, I'm not feeling anything. And I, I kind of knew he was going to say that. So I didn't hesitate one second. I said, JT, what if it's this instead? And instead of boom, but that boom, but that we, we went right into doom, and we changed the, the drum beat on Ken completely. And then John's like, I, I can sing all over this now. And, and, and it, and it, it changed it it changed the dynamic of the song. Ken was a little confused at first, but he totally <laughs> felt, he felt the he felt the change and he felt the magic of what was about to happen. And that turned out to be, and that's one of my favorite songs on the album. Cause it's just, again, it's, you know, that that's got, that's got the, that's got the, the, the Pantera drum beat um, to it more than, more than an obituary style drum beat. And uh, I, I'm, I, I'm very proud of that song. Ken and I worked our, asses off on that song and uh and jt had to you know put it under under the microscope and tell us to dumb it down a little bit and make it heavier and we did i like the fact that you said it earlier and, and you kind of alluded to it again now that you guys seem to work very 
egoless. A lot of bands, when they get to a certain age or even don't matter, dude, a lot of people, a lot of musicians, this is my riff. I, this is how it is. We don't change this. And you guys seem to be like, this is my riff. We don't like this, this section. It's like, I will change it. How, what do you got? You got anything better? Like, all right, let's yeah. figure it out. And you guys are, you guys are not afraid of collaboration. I know a lot of people, yeah, maybe that's that, not their thing. That might not have been the case when you were 25 years old, but uh, after 25 years together of writing songs, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta listen to what others are saying and you gotta take what they're saying serious and, and, and make adjustments if we're all not, if we're all not feeling the vibe. Um, and that's just being a, that's just being a, uh, a teammate. Uh, you know, I think, uh, in sports, I'm, I'm guessing teammates in sports would have to do the same thing. If you if you want to be a great receiver, uh, you got to change things up. If, if the, if your new quarterback or your new, new coach is telling you to, if not, you're going to get traded, you know, but in, in music, you just got to go with the flow, man. And, and the way we do that is we, uh, John alluded to it before we just have a good time doing it. We make sure that the most important thing is be loose and have a good time, man. If you're not having fun, what the hell is the point? And uh, that's that's the way we write the songs. Our, our best songs is, is when we're really just having having fun. Yeah, you gotta have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I realized it's so yeah, yeah. It just brings back memories of you know those people that don't last long when they don't when they're not willing to when they're unbudgeable. Yeah, to, like write with some people you yeah. can write with super easy. Some people like that was very difficult. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, we have Be Warned. Oh, my God. Fastest uh, song on the album? And, uh, I mean, the slowest And the song. longest. And the longest. The, the, the fastest and the longest. It yeah, this is possibly... Alive and it ends with that song. Yeah, this possibly could be the slowest, heaviest song Obituary's ever written. Um, I would have to go back at our catalog and, and research that, but this song is so, so sludge, so heavy. Uh, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to begin to describe how, how, how it happened and why we even started writing those riffs, man. You don't have to explain that. You listen to it. And when that thing kicks in, it, it is like freaking Satan coming down to take over the world right there. man. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, uh, I remember, I kind of remember when we were, Trevor and I were just getting ready to start jamming that day and he was like tuning his guitar. And he just played something. He he just he kind of did that dun dun dun. And I was like, "What the hell was that?" He's like, "That was nothing." I'm like, "Oh no no no, that was something." I'm like, "Dude, that was killer. That can be like that could be the beginning of something super slow." And and it turned into a killer song. Um, and for God's sakes, like John said, you, the minute that that build up happens, and by the time the drums kick in and John's voice comes in, I mean the gates of hell are opening. <laughs> and those that's another song those lyrics beware be warned it almost came out of my mouth the first time they kicked into it just that instantly and uh yeah. it's also you know when, when ken first heard that song in its infant stages and it was just that one rhythm and just kind of some drums on there and he's kind of we call him nervous nelly to start with but he's like you know after the fact he was like god when i first heard that song i was like man you guys this this song is really going to be pretty beat <laughs> but i knew all along once we started layering things and once those lyrics kicked in that bass slides in and you pile all that stuff on it was just going to be devastating and and what a sick song yeah and then one, i guess one last one last uh, cherry on top for the whole uh as john said ripping off um this was this was not me ripping it off but 
when when we were when we were done with the the the, the rhythms the drums and the rhythm guitars on that song of course it was ken's job to add some add some stuff to it you know his solos some some of the harmony stuff and um it was really strange i was listening to it ken sent me a solo and and then and then i was listening to the end of the song and i kept telling myself i don't i'm like i don't understand why i keep hearing um i keep hearing Alice in Chains like I don't know why I keep hearing Jerry Cantrell and it was so it was so fucking crazy I would I was texting Ken and I was literally texting writing just I was like just picture Alice in Chains I like think Cantrell and before I could even hit send on the text he sent me a text and it was um one of his new parts one on his you know because he was at home recording some rough tracks on his laptop and before I could even hit send to tell him, think Cantrell, he sent me something. He goes, he said, yo, bro, check this out. Dude, when I opened it up, it's the ending of that song. And if you listen to the ending of that song, it is obituary meets Jerry Cantrell. And again, people can go back and do their homework to figure out what the hell I'm talking about when this album comes out. But the ending of Beware, Be Warned or Be Warned is as it, it is as Alice in Chains as obituary could possibly dream of. And to think that me and Ken were on the same brainwave because I didn't even hit send yet. And he sent that to me. I told him, I said, dude, you have no idea. I was just telling you to think Alice in Chains and you brought this and, and he made that ending really, really killer. And when you think about how short your guys' brainwaves are, that's a really an amazing feat. <laughs> hey, we're two. We're we're halfway. We're one man if we combine them. <laughs> we're, we're a couple chromosomes away from Neanderthal. Who's getting hell? Ah, <laughs> uh, the power of metal. Well, as as Gene Simmons used to say, like, what if you're going to steal big, steal a diamond? <laughs> Could not be more proud to do that. And, and like Donald said, you know, not only are most of those people we talk about just like favorite bands of ours, but uh, favorite friends of ours, really good friends for a long time, uh, nonetheless. So it uh, it all it all makes you feel good at the end of the day. That was the wrap up of this new record coming out this Friday. Yeah, excited finally. You Friday guys are starting the year off. You guys are the you're the first big big push for the year, and I'm excited for it. All awesome, right. man. I hope we to see could this not record be... in our people's top uh, albums of the year at the end of the year. Yeah, let's see. That's going to be the challenge because there could be some killer shit coming out after us that makes people forget. But you can't forget that groove. You can't forget those <laughs> mid tempo head nodding pulling right roots, <laughs> and, and then. A, and then, of course, if, if you do forget about us, we're just going to play Buried Alive, bar- Barely Alive and punch you right in the dick with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, before we go, my friends, I have to just wonder, have you ever worn anything besides a long sleeve and shorts on stage? <laughs> I'm comfortable in it. I got stacks of them and they, you know, they, that's, it just makes me feel good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you have my respect because, man, some of those lights, whew. Yeah, I'm a drummer too, so it's like I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be a singer and just. I'm in long. Like, nah, I need to be in shorts and a tank top. I can't. Yeah, (laughs) you just make me me sweat looking at you. (laughs) Oh, you live in Florida. Why would you? Yeah, I know exactly. Should be outlawed here altogether. (sighs) I don't know. It was kind of cold around Christmas. I was there around Christmas, so everybody freaked out when it dropped down to 40s. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> Nobody knew how to act. <laughs> and I guess this is for you guys. Will we see a sequel to Bloodline? We got songs. I mean, we got so excited after we released that first one. I immediately just started coming up with ideas and writing some riffs and songs. So we got we got a few songs, a handful of songs tucked in our back pockets. But, you know, the good we thing is, is uh, yeah, the, the good thing is, is obituary so goddamn busy. We don't have we don't have time to, to do anything except obituary. So uh, when the time is right and we got some time on our hands, we will definitely do another Tardy Brothers album for sure. Cool. Cool. That's awesome, guys. Well, you've given me more than enough time for your awesome. today, man. I appreciate you both. You know, and again, you guys have been in my musical life for a very, very long time. Influential to not just me, to thousands of people. And I am happy that you guys are still around in 2003 doing what you guys love and creating <laughs> relevant and killer music. Awesome, man. We appreciate that so much. Yes. Yeah, man. And we can only just... uh let fans know that if you think you're excited about an obituary album coming out finally after six years, so are these Florida boys. We we've been waiting a long time to put this thing out and we could not be more proud of this record and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody on the road. And everybody look for the new obituary record out this Friday the 13th. You guys have a good one. Enjoy the rest right of on. your day. Right on. Cheers boys. Take it easy guys. Yeah. Take it easy. Thank, Thank you. This has been another episode of the Ghost Hope Magazine Podcast. Check us out at ghosthopemag.com and follow our socials at ghosthopemag. Until the next time, peace. <laughs>